I want to invite you all to find John chapter 1. We're going to continue our dwell series. And uh, if you've got the Bible app, our notes for today's sermon are in there. Um, while you're looking for John 1, I'm going to answer the question that I'm sure you're all asking. What happened to Blake's clean-shaved face? Well, I went in for surgery, and they said they've got to remove some hair from my leg. And they said, what would you like us to do with it? And I said, you know, I've always wanted a beard. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. Uh, I do want to say thank you all really quick uh, for uh, the grace and kindness and generosity that you all have shown my family uh, to, to clear up all the stories. Uh, the day after Christmas, uh, Eric and Sherry had gotten our kids uh, a little go-kart that's their size, not Blake's size. And uh, we were riding in it the day after Christmas. Preston was driving, and uh, I was riding. I was too big to be buckled in. My head stuck out of the roll bar. And he said, Dad, I learned how to drift. We drifted, all right? And we drifted to the point of rolling it. I ended up outside the cart, and uh, I dislocated and broke my ankle. And three different bones were broken in there. So uh, new decade, new ankle. And uh, I'm excited for that. And I was also excited that Preston was okay. When we landed, he was on the ground side. Somehow I was standing over the top of him. I'm assuming on my left foot, because my right foot was pointed the other way. And uh, I said, Preston, are you okay? And he's clueless as he's still strapped in with his hands on the wheel. And he goes, that's why we wear our helmets. <laughs> so he had no clue until I yelled at Caitlin and told her that my leg was broken, that uh, anything was wrong. And uh, by the grace of God, he was uh, more than okay. And uh, and so we're, we're grateful for many things. But... Uh, um, Yep, on the mend. So uh, thank you all for your prayers and, and for your support. So one of the guys uh, most thankful for, Dave Sullivan, filled in the last couple of weeks for me. And he actually ended up kicking off our Dwell series. Um, if you were here, I'm excited that you were here and uh, you heard some of uh, what he talked about, this idea of uh, repenting. Uh, retreating with the Lord so that we can renew uh, our relationship with the Lord. And he did that from Exodus 33, a story about Moses meeting the Lord in the tent outside the camp. And uh, just a couple of things that he, uh, a couple of quotes that he talked about. Uh, one thing he said was, we might be resting in our tents. We might be resting in our tents. And that was in reference to the Israelites who um, were a little bit afraid to go and be with the Lord, and so they just stayed in their tents in their community. Uh, I heard that as he preached and as I listened as, I'm okay with who I am. I'm okay with who I am. And uh, I was convicted even in that moment that so many days in life, uh, I, I kind of rest in that. I'm just okay with who I am. Like I like where I'm at in life. And the reality is, the truth of the gospel is, is that until we're standing with Jesus, there is work to do. Until we meet him face to face and we are completely changed, we should not be okay with who we are uh, because we can become more like Jesus. Uh, he said something else. He said, your presence among us, Lord, is what sets us apart. And that was convicting. It was convicting because we've gotten away, I believe, as a church from the presence of the Lord. Uh, Instead, we've counted on our own performance. Anybody guilty like me? I know what I can do. I know what I can bring to the table. I know the things that I can achieve. And we begin to operate out of our own performance instead of really seeking the presence of the Lord, knowing that we need him. And ultimately, he called us, right, to repent. 
and to retreat so that we could be restored in the presence of God by renewing our covenant with him. So today, I say all that to to set us up for today. Today we're going to be in John 1, and we're going to continue to press into this idea of dwelling and how we see it in the bigger story of Scripture. And we're going to talk about um, what it means for us as a a covenant community, as a church, uh, to renew our covenant with the Lord and, and what that means, why it's important, and uh, what that can look like in our, in our context. So I'm going to read John 1, 10 through 18, and then just ask the Lord to, to teach us from his word. John 1, 10 through 18. He, speaking of Jesus, was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him... He gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Father, we thank you for your word. It's truth, just as your son Jesus is truth. Jesus reveals to us the truth of who God is because he is fully God. And so this morning, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. We pray that you would teach us from your word, that you would call us to to tackle the truth so we we can embrace the fullness of your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. John begins this section in verse 10 saying that uh, Jesus was in the world, and yet the world didn't recognize him. Sometimes we don't recognize Jesus. But then there's other times that we just don't receive him. What do I mean by that? When I was in college, I was a Domino's pizza delivery guy. And we had some repeat customers. There were some people that you could almost set your watch by. Every week they would call in the same order at the same time. Uh, If that's you, I'm not judging you because those people were also the people that gave the best tips. So if that's you, just make sure you're giving good tips. But we had one guy, he was a really unique character. Uh, Campbellsville is in in the middle of nowhere, and he would call every Saturday night at 11.30 p.m., and he would order uh, an order of wings and a large pizza. And he lived so far away, out in the middle of nowhere, that uh, it was outside of our delivery range. But he wanted this pizza and wings every Saturday. Like, why you need pizza and wings at that time of night by yourself that far? I don't know. But he wanted them every Saturday night. And so they had made a deal, he and Domino's, that the delivery people would meet him at this location out in the middle of nowhere at the very end of our range of delivery. Uh, It was this old store that was no longer open. And apparently you were just supposed to know where it was. So the first time I get this call, I'm taking the order. It's 1130 at night, and he's like, yeah, this is so-and-so, I need my pizza, I need my wings, and I'll meet you here. What time are you guys going to be ready? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, sir, I'm going to need you to hold, put it on hold. 
everybody knows what's going on but me. I'm the new guy, right? So they tell me all this, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to drive to the end of this road. Uh, if, you're, if you get to the end of this road, you've gone too far because you're supposed to stop at this little store and meet him. I'm like, oh, this is like, this is the twilight zone. <laughs> what is going on? So I take this out there, and they're like, they'll tip you really good. So we get out there, and like, I don't see where I'm supposed to be going at all. And I get to the end of this dead-end road, and I, I, like, I'm just afraid that I'm going to die. Lord, this is it. So I turn around, right? I turn around because I'm like, I know, I, I, like, I know I've had to pass it. So I turn around, and I'm driving really slowly up this road, and I still don't see anything. I'm like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to be going. So I get back to a certain point. I'm like, I know that I've gone too far. So I turn around again, and finally I drive by this little store, and as I do, this car flips its bright lights on and just shines them on me. I'm like, this is not creepy at all. Long story short, I, I, I make the pizza sale, and I go on, and I, I became friends over time on Saturday nights with the guy who ordered pizza and wings at 11.30 p.m. I tell that story because as Dave called us last week to repent, you know, it's a church word, and, and if you've been in church, you kind of get the gist of the idea that when we come to this point where we know that we need to change, where we know that sin has taken hold in our lives, when we get to the end of the road, we know we need to turn around, but sometimes when we turn around, we still don't see Jesus. We get to the end of ourselves, we get to this point where we know we need to change, and we, we're like, okay, I've got to repent, I've got, like, something has to change, I need Jesus in my life, and we turn around, it's like, I still don't know where I'm going. I still don't know. I think that's what John was talking about when it said the world didn't recognize who Jesus was. So many of us, man, we, we struggle to recognize what Jesus is doing in our lives. We don't know. We just we, we struggle to see. We turn and we just don't see Jesus. And when it comes to dwelling with Jesus, man, like we've got to be able to see him if we're going to dwell with him. You know, when it comes to dwelling with Jesus, the greatest distance that we will travel is from our head to our heart. And so... Even once we, we turn from that sin and we begin to see Jesus changing and moving and doing things in our lives, we know that what we're supposed to do, but we still, like we're still a little anxious to actually begin to do it. For our heart to be convinced that the right thing to do is to, to seek Jesus and to dwell with him. Paul said it this way in Romans seven nineteen, For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. It's like, I know that this isn't good. I know that life isn't like it's supposed to be. But I'm still just struggling to receive Jesus. I'm still struggling to, to dwell with him, to do the things that he wants me to do. So what keeps us from receiving Jesus? What is it that becomes a roadblock along the way? Like many of us, after last week, I, like I talked to several people this week, like, yeah, convicting. I need to turn. I need to be different. I want Jesus to change my life. But that doesn't just make it happen, right? What is it that keeps us from receiving him, from letting him dwell in our lives? What are those roadblocks? I'm going to talk through just several and just give them in generalities. And I, I, I'm praying, I've been praying that the Spirit would just help you, would, would give insight to you, would show you your heart, that he might help you to see that one of these is the barrier for you. For some of us, it's a barrier of pride. The barrier of pride says, I know that I need to change, but I'm too proud to let people see that what I've been doing isn't working. 
It's like, I've worked really hard to build this life up, and I realize that that's brought some bad things along with it. There's some sin that's creeped in, but I'm too proud to admit that those things aren't good. For some of us, it's, it's busyness. Busyness has become the barrier. It's like, I know, I know I need to change, but I've just got too much going on. That I, like, I can't even give time to thinking about how I need to change because there's too much going on. And if I stop, I'm afraid of what, my, what I might give up in the future. It's like it, could, it, would be, it might be worse if I give all these things up because all the, I'm, I'm counting all, all these things that I'm doing. And so busyness becomes a barrier to change. We don't think that we can give things up to actually seek Jesus and the change that we need. For some of us, it's anger. Our circumstance, our story... We want to change, but we don't want to change as much as we want to be angry. And we just can't seem to let go of that anger. For some of us, it's impatience. I want to change now. I want to change now. And I don't want to have to put any work to see that happen. Like, like if Jesus is who he says he is, he should just change me now, right? And that becomes the barrier to our change. For others, it's doubt. It's like, I know change needs to happen. I want it to happen but I'm just not sure that I've got enough self-discipline or accountability to do it. I, I'm just not sure that God can do that kind of change in my life. You don't know how messed up my life really is. What is it for you? What is the barrier to you really receiving Jesus into your life? Pride, busyness, anger, impatience, doubt? You know, as we identify those things, it can be a little overwhelming. It can be like that moment that the car shined his lights on me and it's like, it's a bright light. Hurts the eyes a little bit. I don't want to see that. The beauty of the gospel, the good news is this. Even when we don't receive him, even when we don't receive him, he continues to reveal himself. In those moments, in those days where we don't want to let go of our pride, we don't want to let go of our anger, where we are impatient, where we are too busy, all those things, like when we don't want to receive him, Jesus continues to reveal himself in our lives. That's how much he loves us. I love this. So Jesus reminds us that God's greatest desire is to dwell with his people. That is his greatest desire. And I want us to go on this little journey around this world or dwell in Scripture. And so just hang on with me. And if you're new to Scripture, like hang on with us. It's going to be good. But, but as we do these types of things, it helps us to understand how God's Word is working together to tell this incredible story that changes our lives. John 1.14. John 1.14 says the Word, the Word is what John is calling Jesus in this passage. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This word dwelt is, is really special. John, the author, is the only one who used this word in the original language. And he used it four times in scripture. Uh, it could literally be translated as tabernacled. So the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Like, What does that, does that mean? I, 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 that doesn't make any sense to me. Good. John had this bigger picture of scripture in mind when he described Jesus in this way. And so I want us to take a few minutes to just rebuild the narrative that John was implying by using this word dwelt. Like John had a really, like a much bigger picture uh, than, than what we think of when we think of the word dwell. We begin in Exodus 29 45. 
God says this to Moses, I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. This is incredible because it shows us what God's desire and purpose was in bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. It wasn't just to do something good. It wasn't to right or wrong. God did this because he wanted to dwell with the people. He wanted to be with them. That was his greatest desire was to be in the middle of them. You're like, I'm just not so sure about that. Like, if he wanted to be with them, then how come last week in Exodus 33, he stayed outside the camp? We're getting there. Exodus 25.8 says, They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. Here's what I love about this passage. Moses, right? If you know the biblical story, you can track with me. If not, let me try to introduce it to you. Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments uh, from God for the people. And for many of us, we think about the Ten Commandments, and we're like, okay, yeah, God had to give his rules to the people. This is the first thing that God says to Moses when he goes up on the mountain. He wants to be with his people. The first thing that God is concerned about is having a place to dwell, uh, having a place to be with us. He wants to be with us more than anything. Well, we know what happened, right, because we talked about it last week. Moses is up there. The people make the golden calf. They give up this opportunity to dwell. Uh, Today we're going to talk about a little bit later about the fact that Moses goes back up, gets the Ten Commandments again. And over and over and over again in the Old Testament we see this cycle. God continues to make promises. He continues to keep his promises. He wants to be with the people. And the people continue to live in their sin. They continue to give way to all the things that, that they want. But we see this in Ezekiel 37, 27, that even after all these generations of the Israelites messing up, he says this, My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Even when we don't want to receive God, he continues to reveal himself to us. We continue to mess up. We continue to make mistakes and he wants to be with us. And that brings us to John 1, 14, right? Where he himself comes in the form of a man and he comes to dwell to tabernacle among us colossians kind of puts the bow on this little journey for us colossians 1:19 says this for god was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him not just part of it not just enough to satisfy the people all of his fullness was was dwelling in christ and then he says again in 2:9 For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. God's nature was fully present in Jesus. So God went from revealing himself as this cloud who hovered over and filled a tabernacle to actually becoming a person, Jesus, who was like us. And he made a way for us to be filled with the presence of the Lord. God's promise and his presence were combined in a way that they never had been before. And this is why John says Jesus coming to dwell was grace upon grace. It was so much grace to us that we didn't even understand what was going on. Even when we don't want to receive him, God continues to reveal himself. Any of y'all seen this movie? Mrs. Doubtfire. I always love Mrs. Doubtfire, at least the cable version. 
was on cable TV all the time when I was growing up. I love Mrs. Doubtfire because Robin Williams is a great actor and he's really funny. Uh, but I loved, uh, I love it as I reflected on it this week because even when the world told Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams, that he wasn't allowed to be with his kids, he kept making his love known to his kids by taking on Mrs. Doubtfire, right? Now, this analogy breaks down, so don't take it too far. <laughs> I'm not encouraging you to break the rules. I'm not encouraging you to do any of those things. I'm not saying divorce is a good thing. Like, but you've got to admit, the heart of Robin Williams as a father to continue to do whatever it takes to reveal his love to his kids is something that can inspire us. You know, even when we aren't ready to receive the love of Christ, there is nothing that's going to keep him from revealing his love to us. The lyrics from a popular worship song, Reckless Love, come to mind. There's no shadow you won't light up. There's no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. There's no lie you won't tear down coming after me. God's greatest desire is to dwell in your life. All right, Blake, why take the time to explain this word dwell? I mean, it's warm and fuzzy, right, that God wants to dwell with us. Uh, we all kind of know that to be true, right? Remember, we talked about the greatest distance is often from our head to our heart. Like, we know that. Like, why does this really matter? If you're like me, we work so hard to try and fit Jesus into our story. We think about our life and we want our life to, to accomplish certain things. We want our life to look a certain way. And then we want to try and figure out how Jesus fits in our story. Y'all, the goal is not to rewrite our story with Jesus in it. The goal is to receive Jesus, to go and spend time with him as he tabernacles us, and to be born again as a child of God, to let him dwell in our lives and begin writing a new story, not a rewritten story that's kind of part us and part God, a new story that's all him. John writes in verses 12 and 13, but to all who did receive him, in this day and age when some of the people didn't even recognize this was the Messiah and then those that did didn't receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man. In other words, not by any of our performance, not by the things we can do, but of God. Some of us, have been trying to write Jesus into our stories for years. Maybe our entire lives if we grew up in church. It's just what you're supposed to do. Jesus is supposed to be in everything. And it just doesn't work that way. Quite frankly, it's exhausting to, to keep trying to do that. You don't write Jesus into your story. You receive Jesus, and he writes a new story that flows out of his. And so if today... If today you've been trying to write Jesus back into your life, stop it. To receive Jesus is to repent from your attempts to write Jesus into the story. It's to hand him the pen. It's to make a way for him to come and, and do his thing, the thing that he wants to do, to dwell. Okay, how do we do that? How do we clear the path for Jesus to come? How do we receive him? How do we get out of the way so that Jesus can work 
in our lives. You see, we all like the grace that we have. We want to receive the grace, but to receive grace, we've got to tackle the truth. We have to tackle the truth. John 1.14 wasn't over. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. Like we saw Him. He was great. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father. He was full of grace and truth. Like, yeah, let's talk about that truth side. That's a little harder to stomach. How do grace and truth go together? Romans 8.3 says this. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. You see, grace in Jesus, when Jesus came and dwelt, was an incredible, incredible revelation. But it was an incredible revelation that built upon the truth of God's law. It didn't replace it. It allowed humanity to see the fullness of who God is, grace and truth. How does, I'm not seeing how these things go together. You know, as Caitlin and I and the kids have gone through this season, <clears throat> pretty quickly we got to a place where we recognized the grace of what was going on. I keep telling people how much grace there is in my injury. It slows us down in a season where we knew that we were overcommitted. It's allowed us to honestly spend more time together as a family. It's allowed me to physically rest, to spiritually do a better job of resting in him. And all those things are like an incredible, incredible grace. But I don't get to receive that grace. I don't get to experience that grace. I don't get that, like that grace isn't satisfying unless I tackle the truth. And here's the truth. I was overcommitted. And I was overcommitted because I believed too much in myself. I believed too much in Blake Lawyer. I thought I could outrun my own human nature. Anybody been there? That's the truth. And I don't get to enjoy the grace of God and what has happened if I don't tackle the truth of the situation. You've got to tackle the truth. And truth is not your truth. It's the truth. It's His truth. So where does that leave us as a church? Where does that leave you as a person? Maybe you've been claiming the grace of God without ever tackling the truth of who you were. How do we do that? We go back to the story in Exodus. Exodus 33, the Israelites have worshipped the golden calf. Moses comes back. They realize they've done something wrong. Moses sets up a tent outside the camp to meet the Lord. The people have a desire to repent. They want to retreat and be with the Lord, and they want to renew their covenant. In Exodus 34, God comes and he meets Moses again. And he gives them a second set of the Ten Commandments. And he brings those back down, and the people renew their covenant with the Lord. They're reminded of the truth that accompanies God's grace. They're reminded that 
yes, grace is good, and like God will continue to be with the Israelites. He wants to keep dwelling with them. But there's, there's truth that guides them. There's truth that, that ushers them into the grace of God. So they honor the truth, and they continue dwelling with the Lord. Fast forward to Jesus coming full of grace and truth. So many of the stories, maybe even the personification of Jesus in today's culture is grace. And John even says he's grace upon grace. But he came full of grace and truth. So what is the truth of God? What is the covenant that he wants to renew and to restore with us? When Jesus was asked about the law in Matthew 22, he said this, verse 37 through 40. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Truth. He also said this to the disciples before he returned to heaven in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came near. Isn't that fun? He wanted to dwell. He came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. I want to dwell with you always to the very end of the age. Church, the mission and the covenant of Christ Community Church are built on these truths. There are a million things about Christ Community Church that could change tomorrow. We could sing different music. We could come up with a way to serve our community that's way better than Love Shyville. We could never have a Love Shyville day again. <gasps> We could meet in a different place. We could paint the walls. We could get squishy chairs or harder chairs. I don't know if they exist, but we could do it. The next time I'm in an accident, I, like, I could end up with something way worse than an ankle injury. There are a million things about Christ Community Church that could change tomorrow. But this group of people is not held together by any of those things. This group of people is held together by our covenant commitment to God and to each other. Here, here at this church, we've unknowingly stumbled in an opportunity, much like the Israelites did, to renew our covenant. To tackle the truth and say, you know what? Like all those things that made us who we were in the, build, in the beginning, we've strayed from those things. Maybe not greatly, maybe we're not heinous, but, but we're not acknowledging the truth. And because of that, we're not resting in the grace of our Lord. How do we stumble into that opportunity? We did some listening sessions at the beginning of 2019, and we learned that it was really unclear across the board what it meant to be a member of Christ Community Church. And I ask the question of you guys, how can we dwell with God and one another if we're unclear about what the truth of God expects of us and what we should expect of one another? Like, how is it even possible? So our response was to commission a team. We did that at the end of, uh, or in the middle of 2019. And that team, led by Colin Johnson, began to work through our covenant in, a, in an effort to renew it. They started with the scriptures that the covenant was based upon. And they worked to make the truth of Scripture and the truth of our covenant more clear. You know, the covenant is a tool that reminds us of the truth of what holds our church together. 
Jesus, his vision, his mission for the church and scripture, and the expectation that scripture lays out for those who are part of his church. And so this team, they did an incredible job, and they brought back to the elders what they had done, and they helped to lay out our covenant alongside of our mission, love God, love people, love community. And then they uh, developed 13 uh, covenant statements that bring so much clarity to who we are and how we love one another. And uh, we're going to dig into those uh, a little bit differently next week. And um, I just want to read really quickly the the three big picture items. Uh, We're covenanting to love God, as we read in Matthew 22. We love God by being in active relationship with him through obedience to his word, spending time in prayer, and by being an active member of his church. Tackle the truth. Are you 10 out of 10 on all those? We covenant to one another and to God to love people. We love people by intentionally building relationships. We seek to serve via our time, talents, and finances to invite people inside so that they will go outside and make Christ known among all people. Just real quick, 10 out of 10. Tackle the truth. We covenant to love community. We love community that exists within our church by being present, offering consistency, accountability, and loving unity. We pray with others in their trials and victories. We join the church in caring for every possible need and provide reminders of who they are in Christ Jesus. We're going to dig into this more and more. Here's kind of the process from here. If you're a covenant member currently at Christ Community Church, you're going to be mailed a copy of this renewed covenant this week. Um, If you're not and you'd like to get a copy of that, a digital copy, or if you are and want a digital copy, uh, you can take a picture of this on the screen. If you text at dwell2020 to 81010, then uh, we're going to send out a digital copy as well to those that would like it. And <clears throat> what we're going to do is next week we're going to dig into the covenant a little bit more and we're going to talk about how it's part of dwelling with the Lord uh, going forward into the future. Right? We're going to begin to think about that. Uh, and then over the course of the year, we're going to do a series of videos that dig deeper into the 13 core commitments that are part of the covenant. And then we're looking forward to this process uh, in October. Uh, Christ Community Church turns 10, and we're going to renew the covenant together in October as we celebrate turning 10. Let's tackle the truth together, church. Because as we tackle the truth and lean into those things, and we aren't content with being who we are, Man, we're going to so experience the grace of God. It'll be grace upon grace. The beauty of the gospel is this. The place where God has dwelled throughout Scripture has always been destroyed. But His dwelling presence never can be. The tabernacle where He was, it was destroyed. They built a temple. It was destroyed. Christ came to tabernacle. He, his physical body, was destroyed. But then three days later, he came back to life. He rebuilt that tabernacle so that we could dwell with him forever. Because his dwelling presence will never go away. It will always chase after us. And that's an incredible grace.
Let's tackle the truth together so that we can continue to experience and, and lean into and enjoy the grace that our God has given to us. That cross where Jesus' body was destroyed is something that we want to remember each week. We remember it because as that happened, sin was conquered. Victory was claimed. Death was defeated. And so here at Christ Community, each week we take part in the Lord's Supper to remember what Christ did on the cross. If you're a baptized believer in Christ, here in a minute as we respond, we want to invite you to come forward. You'll be served. You can take a piece of the bread, and, and that represents Christ's body. You dip it in the juice. It represents his blood that was shed for you. And as we do those things, we remember, right? We remember and we celebrate that even on those days that we don't want to receive Jesus, he wants to reveal himself to us. And because of that, we are willing to tackle the truth in our lives. We're willing to tackle it, to get after it, to lean into the truth of God's word. I'm going to pray for us. And after that, you have the opportunity to respond like we always do at Christ Community. You can come forward and take part in the Lord's Supper if you're a baptized believer. Uh, you can stand and sing with us. Uh, I'll, uh, I, I may not stand in the back, but I'll be back there. And uh, maybe today you realize that you've been trying to write Jesus into your story the whole time, and what you really need is to just receive him, to lean into his grace. I'd be glad to walk you through that process and just pray with you, just be with you as you do that. And then you'll have an opportunity, your last opportunity to give before we pray for our offerings this morning. I remember this week as you go, whatever you face, whatever you're going through, those moments when you don't even want to receive Jesus, he is going to continue to reveal himself in your life. It's grace upon grace to us. Jesus, thank you for being grace upon grace. But thank you also for being grace and truth. There's an incredible grace in knowing that you are the truth. We don't have to figure that out. Like, we don't have to define our own truth. You are the truth. And we just need to receive you. And so, God, we just thank you for who you are, for how much you love us, for your willingness to chase after us. May that be reflected in our response this morning. May we give our hearts to you in this moment, we pray. Amen.